Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you at the start of the Celtics offseason. It's time to turn the page on last year. They were the second best team in the league, which some people might say is okay, but others uh, not okay with that. Advocating for some drastic changes. We've already got one addition to the roster. The 53rd pick in the NBA draft. Jay, I already forgot his name. I'm going to be honest. I did not watch a second of the draft. I know he's a point, a super athletic point guard from Alabama with a giant, uh, afro. But, uh, I'm hoping you as the journalist can fill in the listeners on the rest. His name is JD Davison. He has, some floppy hair. I, I don't want to say it's Alfred Payton-esque because obviously Payton's was a different style, but it's it sort of reminds you of that and that you wonder whether it could one day get in the way of them actually playing basketball. That <laughs> is clearly not the most important thing here. Uh, he's really raw. Like You watch the tape and he just does some stuff that's like, oh, man. He's young. He has a long way to go. Why is he just throwing the ball to the wrong team? Why is he forcing up that shot at the rim? Why? 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 <laughs> but <laughs> but he's he's big for a guard. I, I and he can fly. And uh, one thing that was pointed out to me by. Somebody um, in a front office elsewhere is that he shot 57% on two-pointers, which Ooh. is really good for a point guard type. Like, really, really good. And so that kind of shows that there's something there. And I I think that's partly because he's big, he's, he's physical, he's kind of crafty around the rim. Um but also, like, again, like, it's going to take time. And I think Brad Stevens kind of cautioned everybody after the draft. He kind of said, yeah, we're in a place where we can take a developmental player or two on our roster. And J.D. Davison is that. And I, I have no clue whether he'll end up being a good pick. I do think at number 53, taking a swing on a guy with obvious upside. Like, all it takes, like Brad said, is two minutes of watching him. I don't even think it takes that long. You watch him dunk on Walker Kessler's head. You watch some of the blocks he had. You're like, oh, wow. 
this kid for a guard, like he he moves different, but there's also a, like a a lot of understanding of the game that that he has to go through to to learn how to be an NBA player. I don't think quite frankly like he wasn't a great college player last year at Alabama and he he will definitely need a lot of growth, a lot of skill development, a lot of awareness lessons to to be learned. Um but there is something there and and the Celtics, you know, their their rotation is set. They did not need somebody to to play in the rotation this year. They have the mid-level except taxpayer mid-level, which we'll talk about soon, and I'm sure. And they have the trade exception, which we'll talk about soon, I'm sure, to look for other guys to help round out the rotation, give them a little bit of injury insurance. But they didn't need much, and I think where they were, uh, Davison kind of makes sense as as a super athletic guard who has some court vision, uh, definitely moves well. And, and the Celtics say he's he's a tough guy, competitor. Uh, you can see that in in some of the clips, but also like I w- <laughs> I cannot overstate how raw he is as a player <laughs> and, and how much development needs to be done. So he sounds like if you're in Portland, Maine right now and you want to see some JD Williams, you or did I just get his name right? JD Williams. JD Davison. Davidson. JD Williams has played a uh, Bodie on the wire, I believe. Davison, not not Davidson, Davison. All right. Right now, <laughs> who do you think is closer to becoming an NBA player? JD Davison, Yam Madar, or you Hombeeron? I'm going Bigeron. Bigeron. <laughs> I'm going Bigeron. I I uh I don't. I don't know if I. I believe in Begaron's chances of becoming a a NBA rotation type player, but he's big. He has great size. He's athletic, and he's he's got some feel. And he doesn't try. At least he didn't try to do too much in summer league last year. So I'm a. Uh, I'm a. I'm a Begaron believer. Oh, there you go. Something to look forward to in Summer League, the, the competition between Bejaron and Madar to make this team. It's kind of funny. Well, Madar will not be playing in Summer League, according to what? Adam Hemmerfa. What? So, what? What does he think he's doing over there? What? Yeah, he, he backed out to uh, play for the Israeli national team, I, I guess. I didn't so, even realize there was an international competition going on this summer. But as long as he's hooping, I guess that's for the best. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how the back end of the Celtics roster pans out. Uh like obviously Begaron, he wanted to play for the Celtics last year. <laughs> he he made it pretty clear he wanted to play for the Celtics last year. They were sort of like, nah, nah, bro, you're going overseas. That's why we drafted you. Uh but it's interesting now that Brad Stevens' two draft picks are Begaron and Davison just two guys with very good athletic profiles who project to maybe help in the future or maybe not help at all. Who knows? Um, But they're sort of in the same mold of guys who, if they pan out, will be able to fit physically, will be able to, you know, hold up to all the athleticism that, that the NBA presents. So 
kind of interesting. I, I don't know if that's by design and he's looking for guys like that or it just kind of happened like that. But it, it's sort of two swings in the same mold. It's kind of wild. Brad Stevens going for home runs and not going for singles in the draft. Really just not listening to anything he preaches out there on the basketball court. Um, but I guess it takes a different mentality. All right. That's enough draft talk. It was the 53rd pick. We all knew Celtics were not going to get any sort of impact player uh, in that position, nor were they likely to trade up. The real question is, what will the Celtics do with their taxpayer mid-level? And correct me if I'm wrong, it's around like $6.3 million. And I think the maximum you can offer is three years. So... Who do you think they can target that would fit in well in under that taxpayer mid-level? And I guess we can also take this time to talk about the traded player exception. Uh, I think it's around $17 million, uh, for the Evan Fournier trade. That expires actually soon. The Celtics did not want to just take back Evan Fournier and his giant contract, although the Knicks reportedly offered that. Uh, I don't wise think that's move. legal, by the way. Like I, I yeah, there's a lot of debate by the cap folks out there of whether or not that could uh, happen. Um, I just like the boldness of the Knicks move, just being like, hey, we signed this awful contract. Uh, we were wondering if you could take it off our hands. Uh, bold move by the Knicks. The Celtics were not going to do it. But given those are the two main avenues the Celtics will have to kind of add a rotation player um, in this offseason, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the Fournier uh, trade exception. They have a whole bunch of other trade exceptions. Just uh, they can take back a lot less salary if they let that Fournier one expire. Who do you think are some realistic targets out there uh, for the Celtics? And maybe if you want to hear about more about this, you can subscribe to the Athletic and get Jay's writing as he covers this uh, process throughout the off season. Just the just hey, an I, idea. I, I, I want to just kind of set the stage first for the types of players they'll be going after. Good like, ones. Uh, some good ones, some <laughs> a more like flawed ones or guys with huge question marks. I like there's no obvious like home run that will probably be available with the six point three million dollar mid level exception. That said, I do believe the Celtics are hopeful that they'll be able to acquire a rotation player and somebody who can potentially help them in the playoffs next season. Now, we saw their bench kind of shriveled up and died over the last three or four games of the finals. And I, I do think there's some hope that Grant Williams progresses, that Peyton Pritchard progresses, that Derek White doesn't just go missing at the end. But I also think the Celtics are on the lookout for another guy who can put the ball in the bucket. And that leads us to our our my first choice for them when I ranked the possible options in TJ Warren. Boo! You're not a TJ Warren guy. No, TJ Warren had a successful, what, like two months in the bubble where everyone, it was like the most outlier of situations, of outlier situations, and he had his outlier scoring breakout and then just hasn't been healthy since. Pass on TJ Warren. You would pass on TJ Warren, even though in his last healthy season, he shot 53.6% from the field and 40.3% from behind the arc. And the year Was before that, the that bubble shot, season? 
that was I mean, he played six games in the bubble. Six of his sixty seven games. I mean and he averaged twenty points for his percentages per game. though. <laughs> <And> <laughs> what was the year before what that, it? which which was not played at all in the bubble, he shot forty nine percent from the field, forty three percent from three, and averaged eighteen points a game. The dude is a certified bucket, and he does it efficiently. And he can do it on high volume. And he's six eight. So I think the 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 Celtics felt how important it was to have size, like in in the very highest level of basketball. It mattered that Andrew Wiggins was six foot eight, and that Derek White was not as good as Derek White was defensively. There were some situations where Andrew Wiggins just went and got a bucket, and I think the idea of getting T.J. Warren would be that maybe if he's healthy enough by the time next playoffs roll around that he could be that type of matchup problem where you have to have your two best defenders on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And that would leave somebody probably smaller, probably ill-equipped to guard TJ Warren on him. And so that would be the vision. The only reason why he might be available to the Celtics is that his health is not good. <laughs> he has played, it's because he broke his foot twice. He has played four games in the last two years. So who knows what his status is like? Who knows what that foot will eventually allow him to do? But he's the type of player that the upside would be that that's a guy who can score at the highest level of basketball and be a, a legitimate third scoring threat that the Celtics didn't really have this year. I mean, you're, you're, I'm not saying I reserve the right to completely change my mind if the Celtics do sign TJ Warren, but the immediate injury concerns are just like, and the lack of consistency over the past two years, you just never know, especially if a guy breaks their foot, if they're going to be able to kind of like come back and give you the same thing. And for some oh, for reason, sure. just the idea of, of paying some guy that's only available because he's super hurt is like, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me, but, but, but you know that's kind of, that's kind of why guys become available for, for those price tags, right? Otto Porter was on the Warriors because he was fat the year before and because he produced <laughs> nothing the year before. And, and he was a very good addition because he got himself in shape. And he stayed healthier than he had in a while. Nemanja Bielitsa, he had done very little in the last couple of seasons before joining the Warriors. He was another guy that they took a shot on because he's big and he has skill, and it worked out. And so I think when you're when you're trying to find playoff help with six point three million dollars per year the options are limited and you kind of have to take some sort of risk, whether it's, can this guy stay healthy? Can, is he too old? Like there, there's always question marks around the guys you're going to be chasing at, at this level. And so I, I think it's totally valid. Like TJ Warren, if they did get him, there's a chance that he would give absolutely nothing next season. And it would be a totally, and it would be a totally wasted contract a totally wasted spot but at the same time their rotation is already set they still have traded player exceptions to go after more help that would be more of a sure thing and like that guy 
if he had been healthy, would be worth way more than $6.3 million a season. He's still, I believe, 28 years old, going to turn 29 years old. So should still theoretically be around his athletic prime as as long as that foot starts to heal like it should. And who knows whether it will, but that would be the type of of shot that I would want to take, knowing the Celtics' weaknesses, knowing the potential upside there. I don't think there's another player with that possible upside that would be available to them. And I think it's like you want you you might be a little bit more willing to make that um I guess take the risk of the of that high upside with the the mid-level exception, just knowing that like no matter like at best this person's gonna be what the seventh best player on your roster, and like you still have a core and presumably uh kind of guys like Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard are getting better. It's not like they're like entirely dependent on the person they bring in with a mid-level exception, but it would be a nice bonus. I like I, I can also see an argument of just like maybe bringing in someone with like who's just like more solid and you know exactly what you're going to get uh, and gives you a little bit more depth in the front court uh, or just maybe on the wing. Uh, but who else is on your list? I I was I still, I'm undecided on TJ Warren, but I'm uh, open to hearing other options. I think you'll probably be un- undecided on most of these guys. Uh, I mean, that's why they're on the list is because they're not slam dunks. If they were slam dunks, they'd make more than $6.3 million a year. Danilo Gallinari. Ooh, Celtics killer Danilo Gallinari. Doesn't and, he make $20 he might, million? Yeah, but only four and a half of it is guaranteed. And over the next couple of days, the Hawks have to make a decision on his future. There has been some talk from the Athletics' Chris Kirshner that unless he's traded in a deal, they will probably waive him. So there's a chance that he would be available on the market. Um, I don't know what type of money he could fetch. He could certainly be a full mid-level guy. He averaged 12 a game last season. He's clearly a very good offensive player, but he's getting older. He recently said that he wants to win a ring in the NBA and could be willing to sacrifice if there is more money available for him. I don't know if there would be. He he is getting up there in age. He is he does have defensive question marks, but that's a big dude and a dude who can really shoot the basketball, which I think would be pretty helpful. Well, I just googled his name and apparently a random TV reporter in Atlanta says he's about to be part of the DeJounte Murray Hawks trade. So Take what with you will with a grain of salt. I do like his his size and his shooting. Um, it's a one year deal. I think that's a big question for the Celtics is like, had did the finals run give them the kind of stature around the league that some guys might be willing to take a bit of a, a discount with the pay to get that like chance at like playoff success? Because we've seen that happen a bunch uh, over the last couple of years with his teams that are. Uh, clearly super talented and just need some other guys to put them over the edge. Do you think the Celtics became one of those destinations for like a vet like Gallo, just like looking for that ring chasing? I think it's possible. It probably depends on what type of player because a free agent could look at the Celtics and think, yeah, their, their rotation is is kind of set, but 
you know, if you're good enough or if you play, I don't know what, like maybe a wing, like Gary Harris, let's say he's also, he was also on my list. I don't know if the Celtics will be able to afford him, but somebody like, like that could look at the Celtics and think, yeah, they didn't really have anybody like me last year. They played Derek White, who's kind of a guard, Peyton Pritchard, who's definitely a guard, and Grant Williams, who's a power forward. So he could look at that and be like, okay, I, I see where I fit right in. I see where my minutes would come from. And yes, I would like to to compete. Now, I'm not saying Gary Harris will do that, but somebody like that. With, with Gallinari, I think it might be a little different because – they already have Al Horford and Robert Williams starting in their front court. They have Grant Williams behind those guys, who's pretty good. And you could certainly say, okay, Gallo makes more sense offensively. He would give them more more pop as a shooter, as a spacer, even than Grant, who shot the ball really well last season, but doesn't really command the attention that, that Gallinari does or have as much game as Gallinari does. So... That I I could see it going either way, um, and and quite frankly, like Gallinari at thirty four, like is he still going to be at a high level next year? I don't know, and I I don't know what his defense would look like in the playoffs at this stage of his career. I don't know if he'd be a a problem, or maybe he'd be like Nemanja Bielitsa and he'd be fine, you know. Like, All you need is a guy who can give you 12 minutes in a playoff game. And like Bielitsa didn't get immediately trashed in his minutes. I feel like Gallo's, en- Gallo's enough of a savvy vet where it's like, maybe it could work. And also maybe he could hit five threes in a quarter. Um, so it's not not a bad pick. I kind of like the offensive upside. And I always like a big who can shoot like that. And he's also offensively, at least a very easy fit just because he shoots so well, just because he can do so many things. He can post up switches. Like there's a lot that he would can give a team offensively, as, assuming that at 34 he's still able to do all that stuff. Which, which I don't know, and and I, I I do think the Celtics would rather find a young player, if possible, with this money. And, and that's tough because again, younger players. Are often if worth they have more money. any potential, they're gonna like they're gonna command a lot more money than the the taxpayer mid level. Yeah, so it feels like they have so, to target some vet who's like undervalued or just like wants to give up some money because he wants to be on a good team, or a vet who, for whatever reason, like T.J. Warren, could be available for a price that's that's a lot lower than he would fetch at in a normal market, like like the the Heat got Victor Oladipo for the minimum, right, last year? so Like, he would never be available to them except he was rehabbing an injury and everybody knew he wasn't going to play for a while. And so all of a sudden, options like that become available for for young vets who have one situation or another, Um, like a lot of guys on my list. I I will say, (laughs) as I was going through the list, I was kind of like, Meh, meh, meh. Not the sexiest list. I've got to tell you, it's not uh not amazing. But also, like if you just hit, if you just hit on one extra guy, whether it's with the TPE or 
this exception or even a minimum, it could make all the difference in a playoff series. Like the the Warriors finding Gary Payton the second in scrap heap, he helped turn that series around when he got healthy in game two of the finals. So if you do strike on one of these and you do find someone who can help you not just throughout the regular season, but during the playoffs when basketball gets gets most competitive, then then it can, it can really be the difference between whether you go home in game six as a loser and watch the other team smoke <laughs> cigars and shit on your home court or you celebrate yourself. So there's a lot of a lot of pressure for the Celtics front office as they go through these decisions looking at this crop of obviously flawed players or players with questions, health questions, age questions, whatever. Let's talk about that TPE because the one that gives them the most flexibility, uh, the Fournier one, I believe you that didn't expires. like any of the other any of the other free agent possibilities. I, I like Otto Porter played in a finals and he was like did his job of like playing decent defense and knocking down corner threes. Like he made some big threes, uh, especially I think in Game Six answering Al Horford. I would like Otto Porter. Um, Again, I just don't know if he's necessarily going to take the the uh, taxpayer mid level, but I think that's like a solid a solid addition. Um, but everyone else on your list, I like both the Martins. You're not a big I, Isaiah I, Hartenstein guy. I like. Are, where are we going to have space to play more uh, giant centers? It's just I don't. He's good. He's very solid. Um. But is he really going to get playing time? Do you have to move Tice if you do get Hartenstein? Like, is Hartenstein going to want to sign if Tice is still there? Would he want to sign at all? Because <laughs> who knows if <laughs> because if he's twenty four and seven feet tall. Yeah. yeah. So, what about Oladipo? Well, Oladipo had his moments, and he certainly has some fast hands. I think he's like the like. He's large enough, uh, can score off the bench. I would be, I would be open to Oladipo at this point. You like, as we talk about it, I feel like I should not have been as resistant to TJ Warren just because it, it, it takes what you can get with the mid-level exception, and so you kind of take a risk on it. Oladipo felt to me like he proved he can still knock down shots and like and be a scoring threat, and so um, that's still uh, like the something the Celtics can use and be uh, like, and, and can help them in a playoff series. But I just have like, I guess such low expectations for the taxpayer mid-level that like, I don't know if anyone they're going to bring in is going to be clearly better than Peyton Pritchard or Grant Williams. Like, I feel like you're, if you want the Celtics bench to get better, you should be hoping for like year, uh, a, a solid year of growth and development from those guys more so than like a, a free agent answering all the questions. And Brad Stevens should have at least learned a hard lesson last season, which was you don't have to necessarily get the biggest name free agent who falls to you with the taxpayer mid-level. And if you do sign the wrong guy, and last year it was Dennis Schroeder, then he could be playing minutes in crunch time. He could be taking minutes from more worthy players on the bench. 
he could end up being a significant problem for you, even though you gave up minimal resources to sign Dennis Schroeder. Like, that complicated things for the Celtics for the first half of the season. It just did. And so I think they will definitely keep fit in mind when they go after whatever player it is that they don't want to someone who will come in and, and fuck things up the, the way that Dennis Schroeder did. Um, and like he, he really, he set back Peyton Pritchard's development. He, he really ruined the entire team. Time. He was bad for vibes. <laughs> I don't know about ruining the entire team. But uh, did they not like, immediately go to the finals after he left? They they did do that, yes. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the traded player exception. The Fournier one, I believe, expires mid-July, July 18th. That's $17 million. They would have to use it or they lose it. Um, and it can be used to get multiple players, but it's not like you can combine Fournier and then Tice's contract to go get a a you know twenty five million dollar guy. You can't combine those players like that to kind of uh, aggregate to increase the salary matching. But playing with seventeen million dollars and maybe some draft picks definitely opens up the type of players uh, that Celtics would get, where you have the potential to get much more of an impactful player. I think for like I've seen some names out there that like I feel like the Celtics would have to give up a decent amount of draft capital in addition to uh, just to get someone like that. Like I've seen names like uh, Kevin Herter, uh, Duncan Robinson, uh, just like decent players. But I still think you probably have to attach at least a, I don't know if they're getting a first round pick, but maybe future first round picks to get them in there. What do you think is the likelihood of one, they doing something with that four year trade exception. And then what types of guys do you think they would target with that? I think they probably will do something with it. I get the sense that ownership is is not messing around and has actually given them the green light to spend and wants to really go for it this year after falling short in the finals. So I would very much expect the Celtics to use this in some way. Uh, the Duncan Robinson idea is interesting to me. I don't know if the Heat will be willing to give him up which sounds weird because he was out of their rotation and makes $17 million a year. But I think there's a chance that they want to keep him for trade purposes later on to go after a, a big fish uh, and not just dump that salary instead. So that, that was, that would be one that would be interesting to me though, because he wouldn't cost much um, if they are willing to give him up. He wouldn't cost much. If anything, like you might just be able to absorb his contract for nothing um, because he's making $17 million a year and was not in the rotation. So, and he would give just a totally different dynamic to the Celtics. They wouldn't have to play him all the time, but they would have an option to bring him off the bench and really use his player movement, use his threat, use his gravity to open things up offensively. He's just really good. So he'd be someone that interests me. Um, I think the thing are, that's, you, you hesitate about him is that he's got a big contract 
for a couple like years. So you're you're stuck paying Duncan Robinson 16, 18, 19, 19 million in 2025, 26. Like that's a big long-term commitment, a lot of money to a guy who won't even be a starter on the team. Or, or I mean, he could, I guess, play himself back into a starter role, but it's just like a lot. Like I, I think it's just like a too long of a contract uh, that I would like, and I know it's not my money, like Wick Grossbeck can pay that, but it just feels like a bit, like a longer commitment than you necessarily would want. Cause there is a chance he just doesn't like work out. And then you're kind of stuck with that uh, contract for a while. Yeah. And, and I, I do think that's, clearly something the Celtics will consider. Um, I think for this year, they have the green light to spend as much money as possible, or not as much money as possible, but <laughs> as as much money as necessary. But beyond that, if if you're taking on a contract like that, you're right. Like That could be pretty, pretty bad for your books over the next couple of seasons beyond the the upcoming one. Uh, and, and there are other guys I have on my list of trade exceptions that would be sort of similar. Um, Bertans would be another like shooter type. I don't think he's as good as Duncan Robinson, but you'd have to pay a lot less to get him. No, you wouldn't, because he has a similar deal. Um, so no, I mean no. Pay. Yeah, in terms of a trade, like you like don't have to give up as much draft capital to get Bertans away from but the Mavericks. Then you I don't. Have to give I don't think you'd have to give up much to get Duncan Robinson. He, he literally wasn't even in the rotation in, in the playoffs, or for part of the regular season. So, my my there's a chance Miami just is, wants to get off his contract, but I, I don't think they will. Um, Luke Kennard is another one with you know more than one year on his deal sort of a he's not the the shooting threat that Robinson is just because he doesn't fly around screens like that but he led the NBA in three-point shooting percentage last year he's clearly like pretty good offensive player and the Clippers are just loaded with wings like just absolutely loaded with wings with Kawhi Paul George Norm Powell Robert Covington Terrence Mann Marcus Morris maybe Nicholas Batum if he comes back so Luke Kennard is one that that could pop free. He doesn't make as much as Duncan Robinson, but I also don't think he gives you as as much gravity. Um, the other ones like Jordan. What Clarkson. about Kevin Herter? Seen a lot of Kevin Herter ch- chat out there. Oh, yeah, I think the the Hawks are kind of a wild card right now, just because I don't know how much they want to change after a disappointing season last year that had their GM coming out and saying like, I was an idiot for bringing everyone back for another year. (laughs) So we'll see, we'll see what they want to change, how available he will be. Um, Obviously he's, he's one of their better players probably. And so it, it could be a little tougher to get him than somebody like Kennard, somebody like Robinson, who's sort of on the fringes of the rotation right now for their teams. Um, yeah, it feels unlikely that their Celtics are just going to go out and get a starter from another team to be their, like, seventh or eighth man. Like, that's, it feels like, yes, his salary fits into the TPE, but, like, I don't know. He he started 60 games last year and was a pretty solid player, and he's 6'7". It's just... um it feels like a lot to ask, even how unpredictable the the Hawks are. The two, the the player that I think 
uh, would fit. And I think I like it just because he only has one year left on his deal. And I think, in my opinion, the team that he's on right now should be tanking and should be giving up players. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope from the Wizards. Like, I think the Wizards should be in full tank mode for Victor uh, Wimbayama. And KCP is pretty much like a 38, 39% three-point shooter, solid defender. Only has one year left on his deal, uh, making, I think, around $14 million. Um just you can throw a future, I think a future first. And I think he kind of fits in as a two way guy that you don't, he, there's no real gaps there and can knock down threes. He's not like the biggest offensive threat uh, in terms of high volume, but I just think he does like a, a solid job and can give you, you know, 10 to 15 bents off uh, points off the bench in, in a certain game and can definitely play in the finals. Oh, yeah. And you look at the last three seasons for him. 38.5% from three, 41% from three, and 39% from three. So he's he's been a consistent threat from that range for, for three years now after kind of being up and down from deep earlier in his career. So when you add to that the, the pretty decent size for a wing, pretty decent athleticism, like Caldwell Pope would definitely be the type of player um, that could, you know, earn minutes for the Celtics he's also 29 so young enough I guess to maybe keep around for another contract beyond this one at a good price um so yeah I I don't hate the Caldwell Pope idea what about Kuzma sort of a similar idea from the Wizards um obviously younger but uh, so maybe fantastic poster one of the better Twitter users in the game wears some ridiculous outfits. And was flirting with Boston recently, saying it has uh, great weather in the summer. I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, I guess the one concern there is this kind of like, is he too similar to Grant Williams? I feel like they're the same like body type and uh, kind of guard the same positions and kind of offer you, I mean, Kuzma is not nearly the uh, amazing shooter that uh, Grant Williams is, but I think Kuzma is just like a very solid player and clearly was overhyped. Um, I'm just thinking about that graphic that Lakers fans made when after that draft where it's like Kyle Kuzma's better in every category other than shooting than Jason Tatum. Like he's not going to be the next best thing, but I think he's just a solid NBA player. Um, I think that'd be like fine. Um, it's not like the... Let me check out his contract. It's. It, I think he would be just like he would be a, a solid contributor, which I think is like what the Celtics need right now, just like a little bit deeper on their bench. He only has two years left on his deal at thirteen million, um, and so I think I would be a okay with that. It's just like about how what you're really giving up to get him. Um, is is he worth giving up like a first round pick? And we've seen Brad willingly give up first round picks just to get off other players' contracts. So. I don't know how much he's, he values that, but it does seem like it's a real, like especially picks that are you're fairly confident are not going to be in the lottery. I don't know. Like obviously there there's value there, but like there's not, they're not automatic slam dunks. Like only what five to eight guys like really make an impact from each draft class. Uh, there's no guarantees in the draft. Yeah. And, and then the other thing that Celtics could do is they could, trade use the exception to pick up 
an expiring contract and maybe someone that's not like quite as enticing as some of those other names, but also would just be an expiring contract that would help them kind of like push the trade exception forward. You know what I mean? Like the trade exception expires July 18th, but if you then get someone with on an expiring contract, that's like having another trade exception. Yeah. You just have uh, a, a filler guy for the rest of the season. Yeah. So like Alec Burks would be, I think a possibility for, for something like that. Um, and, and the other thing about Alec Burks that could be helpful is that the Knicks are looking to clear cap space. And so they may actually pay a team to take Alec Burks's contract. So I don't think he just got surgery on his foot. Otherwise I think he'd be talked about more, but he's actually like, I think if he comes back from injury, Alec Burks is like not a bad player. Like he's a solid like guard who can shoot the ball pretty well. And like, can give you some perimeter defense. I don't think that's a bad target uh, whatsoever, but you're right. If like they can wait for him just to kind of come back and he can just be that, I think he makes $10 million, just be that kind of uh, roster matching guy to be on, uh, to kind of take them to the trade deadline. Yeah. And I don't think he would be like a super difference maker in the playoffs or anything. Um, but adding another useful player, who could play when your main guys are injured, who could soak up minutes so you don't have to play Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a ton, who could hold up defensively and give you enough size, even play some point guard if you need him to. Like that stuff, that stuff all matters. Um, and, and so I, Burks wouldn't be like the sexiest option, I think, with with that. But somebody like that, um, it wouldn't be the the worst thing they could ever do. That's where we are this Celtics offseason. Just trying to find guys who don't. What about Terrence Ross? Suck. He he'd be he could be like a similar thing. Is his if you have an expiring contract? Because I feel like, yeah, why not bring 11, in Terrence Ross? 11.5. And, and Alec Burks, I believe he's not actually expiring, but he has a team option for the following season, 2023, uh, 2024. Effectively, so, effectively so basically, expiring. Yeah. yeah. Terrence Ross, so, Celtics killer, a uh, guy who can always get a bucket. Uh, not like a – I think it's going to be really hard to find like a great two-way guy who could, they can bring in. Um, and so why not just bring in one guy who's just been ex- like consistently able to uh, score his entire career? I like, like I don't know how much my opinion of Terrence Ross is uh, just directly influenced by him absolutely killing the Celtics. Like probably I value Terrence Ross and Celtics fans value Terrence Ross much higher than the rest of the league. I look at his basketball reference right now. Don't like He's that he shot 29%. Don't like he shot 29%. I would take Ish Smith in a second. He's a killer. Um, But Terrence Ross, down year last year in terms of percentages, uh, 29% from three, 39% from the field. Uh, That's not great, if you ask me, uh, professional sports. Not great, but maybe he could revive some of that on an actually good roster. 
I mean, it, it wouldn't. It certainly wouldn't be like the the biggest splash of a trade, but there aren't there aren't a ton of options. There are not a lot what of splashes about, out there. What about Jordan Clarkson? That guy's a bucket. That guy is a sixth man of the year. But if Danny Ainge is willing to trade him, I don't know. It yeah, feels who, like who a, knows what the Jazz will do? I have no clue what the Jazz are intending to do this summer. Um, I have no clue how Jordan Clarkson would fit into that. But that would be at least a scoring option. Would Malik Beasley do anything for you? Uh, I think he would. I like Malik Beasley. He's just a Big solid Malik player. Malik Beasley guy. How Big could you Malik not be? Malik Beasley guy. I mean, he hasn't really helped a whole lot anywhere. But uh, he, he, has, hasn't he hurt. has moments. I, he, he can shoot that thing, and he gets him up. He really gets him up. He has shot more than eight three-pointers per game every year he's been with the Timberwolves. So that's two and a half seasons. So salute to him for for launching and still yeah, doing – for chucking. And still making. And still making. The man can really shoot. Uh, but that's another reason why – they probably won't want to trade somebody like that, but who knows? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What do you think? These are my final two suggestions. Just running it back with old-timey Celtics, Jay Crowder or Kelly Olynyk. Uh, Kelly Olynyk is... He did not have a great year in Detroit. How old is he now? Uh, they're, both over, they're both on the wrong side of 30. Um, Kelly Olynyk. I don't know if he, he like... 
he still can shoot, I would imagine. Um, I'm sure his positional defense is great, but um, I don't know. It's a, it's just more for nostalgia base. He, I think he has two – well, his second year on his contract is non-guaranteed. So basically him and Jay Crowder uh, are fit that kind of expiring mold. Olenek makes $12 million. Crowder makes ten. Um I like the idea of Crowder because I like we saw him on that Suns team. He can play defense. He can be a big body. Um, did not shoot the ball as well from three last year. But um, again, I feel like we're in beggars can't be choosers mode right now. And you're not going to get a perfect two way player, or else you know well, other Crow- teams will. Crowder, win. Crowder is good, man. Crowder is good, yeah. and I don't think the Suns will will make him available. I mean, who knows what the Suns are doing with all the DeAndre Ayton stuff? With like they're just. Who knows what that franchise will do? But Jay Crowder is pretty important to who they are, uh, how they defend, how they play. So I, I, I would be very surprised if he is available to the Celtics. But if he is, like he's good. I think like the whole league is like it's very unclear what's going to happen in free agency until. The whole Nets Kyrie Irving situation plays itself out. Like, what a situation that has become! <laughs> what a surprising situation that Kyrie Irving is a little bit disgruntled and no longer working out with the team who uh, went out inside him. What is your reaction to that story? The also the other thing I think I saw today is like he might be willing to play for the taxpayer mid level for the Lakers. Like, I think that's a absolute. A poppycock idea. He's the VP of the union. He's not going to take, uh, go from negotiating a possibly max deal with the Nets to take a six million dollars a year. Like that would just completely undercut everything the players' union stand for. And I think so. I don't know if so they Kyrie can block Irving, it. Kyrie Irving undercutting an organization he's a part of would surprise you. I, I would surprise me if they like let it go forward. Couldn't they just like veto it? Like the baseball union was just like, "A Rod, you can't take a pay cut to play for the Red Sox. Can't the can't the union step in and just like threaten to break his knees or something?" Yeah, I don't. Think I'm not this surprised is... if Kyrie would try it. Like, I, like that, nothing would surprise me with Kyrie at this point. I the the interesting part about that to me is Brian Windhorst came out today and said that it's coming from ownership. That Joe Sy basically has decided he's fed up with what the Nets were last season. And and he's the one that's okay with potentially losing Kyrie Irving. Windhorse said even potentially losing Kevin Durant if it comes to that, because last year was so miserable for them. And like and that's why it's nobody's lining up to get Kyrie because he's just destructive. He's been destructive. He was destructive in Boston. He was destructive before that in Cleveland, although they won a title with him. He went to Brooklyn, and now he's been destructive for them. James Harden left partly because of the Kyrie situation. Like Now the owner has decided one of the, I don't know how many top, like, is he top 15 most talented players in the in the world? Whatever he is, the owner has decided, like, fuck that guy, basically. <laughs> and and that's that's wild. It's it's rare. And for Kyrie to be this young, 
and have have this much going on um where it seems like even if he's available there's not a huge market for his services right now so i i don't know and maybe he'll go back to brooklyn maybe this is salvageable maybe this is all just kind of leverage plays but at this at this point it just seems like a giant mess and and nothing would surprise me about what goes on there um i've always thought that the the nets go ahead no go ahead i was just gonna say it's so wild that the owner of the nets is so frustrated by the Kyrie situation that he might be like yeah i'll let kevin durant go because like i just want something to change from last year it's gotten so bad with Kyrie that they're just like willing to let presumably the the first or second best player in the league leave the team um and that I feel like that's the biggest thing is like we don't know how KD is going to react to this uh and I feel like that like if he's changing teams that that can swing basically like an entire season it could make it so if he goes out west, it makes the path in the east that much easier. If he gets added to a team, it makes them instant title contenders. Uh, I guess we really haven't heard from KD exactly what his reaction is to Kyrie potentially leaving. But that's just like a huge swing that is just I don't think anyone was really prepared for. Yeah, it it's just crazy that it's reached this point. And, and I think you, you can put up with Kyrie and his there's just always something with him you can put up with that to some extent when you're competing for a title i think it changed the calculus when they got swept in the first round and the nets looked around and thought like what are we doing this for this isn't worth it anymore and now josiah is saying you know what i i i'd rather have somebody less talented who's not going to be just a pain in my ass. Um, and I I do think like if the Nets keep those guys and Joe Harris comes back healthy and Ben Simmons comes back healthy and they have those guys with Seth Curry, that is a group that could win a lot of games. That is a group that to me would be one of the three Eastern Conference favorites with the Celtics, the Bucks, and and those guys. So... This is really putting your foot down, uh, assuming that he they do either trade him or let him go or whatever the case may be. Like this is it's a big, big decision from the Nets. Uh, but I also, a- after living through the Kyrie Irving era with the Celtics, yeah, I I do believe that it was very tiring on a lot of the people involved in that organization from top down and and over time like that just really really weighs on the people in the organization more than maybe like like there's just a cost to to putting up with the drama every day that that eventually I guess in Joe's size case according to Brian Windhorst has just kind of become unbearable so it's super interesting what's going on over there. Um, and and who knows? Like That could drastically change what happens in the NBA next season. Like If Kyrie goes to the Lakers, all of a sudden they're at least formidable. 
And then if Kevin Durant gets traded, like that could swing the entire league next year, depending where he goes. It's crazy. And also, if they both go west, then it's like for the Celtics, they'd probably be jumping up and down for joy. Looking at looking at Milwaukee is like, and maybe the Sixers is like, and the the Heat too. I I got to give the Heat credit um, as like the 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 few threats to the, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, it's absolutely wild. Uh, okay, let's talk and about I, the petty I, nonsense. I I I, I got to throw the Heat in the Eastern Conference favorite mix for next year. I didn't give them enough credit. I left them out. I'm sorry. Sorry to Heat Culture. Sorry to Eric Spolstra. Wow. Sorry to Jimmy Butler. They deserve to be in the Eastern Conference favorite mix. Jay King bowing down to Heat Culture. Living in fear of Heat Culture has to make sure that they get the credit that uh, they so so deserve. But let's address, like, on Twitter, now that the Kevin Durant rumors happened, some people came out and said, man, what if the Celtics traded Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant? And then Jalen Brown liked a tweet that said Celtics fans don't respect Jalen Brown enough. This is NBA offseason. This is NBA Twitter. Jay, I know you love the drama. What are your thoughts on this uh, fake news story? This drama bores me. It, it bores so me. Stupid. I, I've got no time. No time for this drama. Um, if if considering trading you for one of the 10 or 15 best players of all time is disrespect then then a lot of guys would hope to be disrespected and and i see a lot of people saying that they wouldn't want the celtics to trade jalen brown for kevin durant so that said like jalen has been through a lot in boston he's been through like a, a bunch of years where at times he he does take a lot of heat and so I don't want to say he's disrespected, but there's definitely have been times when he's been super criticized. Even earlier in, in this past season, obviously, he and Jason Tatum heard a lot. Um, but I mean, I don't I think he understands that about Boston is Boston fans are tough to please. If you play the right way, if you play together, if if you reach your potential, everyone will will adore you. But if you don't, and the Celtics didn't for two straight years, then they'll let you know about it. That's the the gift and the curse of playing in uh, one of the Northeast cities, whether it's Boston, New York, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is even even way worse. Those those people are mean. Those fans are mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such just, mean fans. I just think it's like ridiculous. Like oh. Because we can like track Jalen Brown's likes, like we see Jalen Brown likes one tweet where it's like guy who's probably constantly on his phone notices criticism more so than like the countless adoration. Like, I don't know. Anytime I've seen any time of like review of the podcast, the the negative ones are stand out so much more than the positive ones. It's just kind of like human nature. And so Jalen Brown might feel disrespected if he sees a couple tweets like advocating trading him for Kevin Durant, but like I don't know. I just think it's like natural for him to, you know, maybe he should know that his likes are going to be like perused by people, but it just feels like it's such a non-story uh, that it's just uh, like we just need, we I guess we need free agency to start sooner just because there's just 
there's nothing nothing really more to talk about other than you know I guess our our breakdown discussion of uh, T.J. Warren's foot problems. Yeah, I mean that that's the good stuff. The the debates about something we don't really know anything about <laughs> or don't have too much inside information about. So salute to TJ Warren salute to NBA free agency, which is coming rapidly. This, this, this whole being in the finals thing for the Celtics it changes all the whole timeline. It just like the draft was just there the day after the season ended. Basically it was like just draft season. And now it's fucking free agency already. I, I don't even know what's going on. I just hope you don't burn out when you get to uh, Las Vegas Summer League. I feel like normally you get a couple weeks off before getting out there uh, in the hot desert, but you know you just got to keep working. So I'm I'm most concerned for your health, Jay. I appreciate you, sir. All right. Speaking of the good stuff, what's here? The one, the only, Joshua B. and his thoughts on the Celtics offseason. Joshua B. Thank God you are here. Speaking of thank God. Um, what are these names? Let's dream a little bigger. Jordan Clarkson fits into our TPE. Josh Hart fits into our TPE. Jonathan Isaacs fits into our TPE. Uh, and they might be worth first-round picks. That's exciting. Give me the Jazz. Jonathan Isaac hasn't played in, like, two years. Yeah, but at least he has talent. I mean, John Wall hasn't played in two years. He's, like, 304. Anyway, so and then the other thing that I have the big I have two Jonathan questions. Jonathan Isaac also does not fit into the TPE. Oh, he doesn't. Well, that sucks. <laughs> but he's right. He <laughs> anyway. So, what is our issue with Goran Dragic? Like seriously, why doesn't Goran Dragic want to play for us for the vet men? Can we just send like a cavalcade of people to like his house and just be like, look, whatever we did, we're sorry. Please come and teach Peyton Pritchard how to be the guy off the bench. That's question number one. And question number two is, Jay, I heard you on the basketball buds, like, get roped into Zach Harper, tell it, like, having to watch the Sacramento Kings on League Pass. What's what's going yeah. on there? What, what, why? I mean, <laughs> wouldn't you rather just – I mean, wouldn't it just be better if Rashawn Holmes fit into our trade exception and then you could, like, get out of that? You could say, I was going to watch the Kings, but then they fit Rashawn Holmes into the trade exception for the Celtics. And we got our extra backup big that we need for Al Horford and Grant Williams and um, and Robert Williams. So, so the Kings, because they're always on last on League Pass, they're just always the last game on. And so naturally, I end up watching too much Sacramento Kings basketball. But after after they acquired Demontis Sabonis, they actually played a fun brand of basketball. And so, I used to regularly text a group chat of the buds podcasters about how much i love the kings and so now it has kind of become a running joke and they want me to <laughs> have a segment every podcast about the kings which yeah i'm ready to talk about dante divincenzo i'm ready to talk about the monster sabonis i'm ready to talk about all these guys De'Aaron fox Keegan Murray. Look, I know. I feel, I feel for you, Jay. I feel for you that the Celtics lost the championship. But, you know, there are ways to handle it. Take up drinking. Take up <laughs> alcohol, drugs. Don't subject yourself to Sacramento Kings basketball every weekend. Oh, my God. Um, he raises a, a strong point there, Jay. Uh, I guess point. 
what, 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 why don't we, why don't we get orange logic? Like, what did we do? Same with PJ Tucker. Like, what do we have to do to get these guys who are veterans just to come in and spell like our guys and teach our youngsters well, how to like play the game right? Well, Tucker, Tucker, you'd have to have more money. Dragic, I just think there's not necessarily a whole lot of interest just because he's 36 years old. He played okay in a couple of games against the Celtics last year in the playoffs, but like there's not a huge sample size of him being very helpful over the last couple of years. And then on top of that, the Celtics already have Pritchard and Derek White off the bench. So I do think they'd be more comfortable going after a different type of player um, than another point guard. So, yeah, th- that's why. I, d- I don't think it's it's any animosity between Goran Dragic and Brad Stevens, although that would be fun. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish Brad Stevens hated Goran Dragic as much as I hated uh, Goran Dragic. I'm fine with the Celtics bringing in some veteran minimum guys to be like 10 through 15 on the bench. I'd, I'd like, I prefer to keep Malik Fitz around just because he's the best uh, bench celebrator I've seen come through these parts in a long time. But if to add some veterans to the mix, kind of some player coaches is quite all right. I just don't know if Goran's going to give you anything or if you're going to get someone who's an actual contributor for that veteran minimum. You know, just like there's a reason, like PJ Tucker's just too good. You're not going to get someone, uh, that good for the veteran minimum and i just don't know who, what guys are going to be able to get for what is that three million dollars to to just come in and and ride the bench but i'm all for a savvy vet uh just i just don't want it to be goran Dragic because uh i don't care for him and all his uh random three-pointers he always made against the celtics yeah he's he's another celtics killer Well, Jay, I have run out of things to say or possible players who can come to the Celtics. Uh, I guess we shall see what happens moving forward. Uh, hopefully things will kind of settle itself out as Kyrie Irving decides what he wants to do with the Nets as the actual free agency approaches. Uh, Jay and I will be here to react to whatever the Celtics do. Uh, or if, if more rumors come afoot, we'll react to them as well. Thanks to everyone who's listening out there. Thanks to everyone in the live room who joined us on the Athletic app and everyone out there listening uh, for podcasts. Jay, I don't I, I, I don't have an ending. I don't have something to ask you if anything is potable about. I have not done my preparation. I is, JD, is J.D. Williams potable? I'd say he is. I'd say uh, he falls into the bucket of being anything. And I would contend... Uh, Your Honor, that uh, anything is potable. Especially J.D. Davison, the actual (laughs) I rest my case. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.